Good morning, NBC, and anyone else who's watching. Uh, God placed something on my heart this morning. Uh, I couldn't shake this feeling, this uh, desire to preach on uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 6. I know I said I did this sermon a few days back and never went through. A couple people asked if I could preach it. And uh, it's called The God's Cure for Anxiety. God's Cure for Anxiety. Let's get started. I'm going to start off with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this opportunity. God, you are always working. I never thought, God, that uh, I didn't plan that this would happen this morning, but you're always working, you're always convicting and, and uh, encouraging, and we just pray, God, that this will be a sermon to edify the church, encourage the church, that you are the answer to this, what we're going through right now in difficult times, this temptation of fear, God. We love you, Father. We just praise your name. We praise you for what you're doing. We praise you for all the, the prayers that you've been answering to, to our satisfaction. Even though when you don't answer to our satisfaction, we know that you're still working out everything, everything for good for those who love you. We praise you, God, and just uh, help me, God, decrease during this time. We pray that you will increase and you will do some mighty, mighty works this morning, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, let's get to the Word of God, right? This is what we need this morning, the Word of God. Hopefully you guys are enjoying as much as you can during this time. Hopefully you're having a blessed Passion Week. You know, even though um, there's a lot of things that make our hearts grieve at this time, many of our loved ones are uh, going through difficult times, suffering the coronavirus. Hopefully you're able to see the hope of Jesus Christ and uh, the glory of this Passion Week. And uh, hopefully you guys are excited about our Good Friday service that's coming up, and also our Resurrection Day service. Uh, so let's go to the Word of God. This is Philippians 4, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. I'll read this passage out loud for you, and then uh, we'll start breaking down the passage to see what God has for us today, church. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. God says to us this morning, church, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word from our living God. So let's start right off, right off the bat. Let's go to verse 6, church. These encouraging words right away. Do not be anxious about anything. This is a command from the God of glory. This is a command from Jesus Christ, our King, right? Did you hear those words? Do not be anxious about anything, right? He doesn't say, do not be anxious about certain things or... He says anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Remember, when we hear from the Bible, church, when we hear from the Word of God, this, this scripture that we have, we are hearing from... The God of glory. We are hearing from the one true God when we pick up the Bible. 
For the Bible says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Amen? So Apostle Paul might have, he, had, he might have wrote this letter, amen? But as Scripture tells us, he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when we hear, do not be anxious about anything, okay? This is God instructing us, stop worrying. And the world says the Bible isn't irrelevant. The Bible, it's not relevant today. Come on. Are you kidding me? This hits home to us, amen? Boy, does this hit home. We all know, especially now, what it's like to be tempted to worry. What it's like to be tempted to be anxious and to fall into fear. We're probably thinking... How can God, I know some of you guys might be thinking, I know I was when I first stumbled across this years back, how can God be commanding me not to worry? I can't help, I can't help worrying, right? If you had my life, but my family, my health problems, you're seeing what's going on in, in this world, God, you're, you're omniscient, right? You, you know what's going on here. How can you tell me not to worry? Church, the Apostle Paul was writing to persecuted Christians, and Paul was no stranger, right? No stranger to suffering. I mean, he was in prison writing this letter and many other letters. They were living, the recipients of the letter, they were living in, in, in a very, very hostile environment, right? With many, many problems, many things to worry about. Amen? And Paul commands them, God commands them through Paul, do not be anxious about anything. Do you know why this this... this these words make sense? Why this command makes sense? Think about it. Because he's writing to Christians. Amen? He's writing to Christians. The Father's children are, 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 are to take these words and understand that we have the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? We have been adopted by God. He's writing to those who are elect, the Bible calls it, those who have been chosen from the foundation of the world predestined before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of His Son. The image of Christ. So how do we know He's writing to the Christians? Paul tells us, right? In the beginning of the letter. Right? We can't assume anything. We have to hit everything here. Right off the bat, he says, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus that are at Philippi. So Paul identifies all true believers, church, in Christ Jesus as saints. The word saint means holy. Okay? It, which refers to one who is set apart unto God. So Paul understood that when someone turns from their sins and he places their trust in Christ alone for their salvation, a dramatic change takes place in that believer's life. We talked, I preached on that a little Sunday, right? Bringing uh, Romans and James together. That, 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 that saving faith is a faith that works itself, works itself out in love. And this is why, as, as Christians, we don't have to live, we do not have to live a life of constant worry, right? Constant anxiety or depression like the world. The temptation's there for sure. I mean, I know this is a very tough time. I am not going to sit here and act like that I haven't been tempted or I haven't fell into worry at times. This is hard at times, all right? We, we, we have people that we love uh, that are being affected by the corona in so many ways. And the world is, this is a very 
different time for us and the temptation is there for sure. What? We have that temptation, church, to, to wallow in the anxiety, but God doesn't want that for his people, right? God doesn't want that. If we're living like that, we're living inconsistently with what God says, right? So what does God say? God tells us that uh, we need to be motivated, um, encouraged by the rest of this passage and so many other promises that we have. We're going to go through some of them during this sermon, right? So we're going to learn in this passage, we're going to learn today that we don't have to be anxious about anything. And we're also going to learn that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that the world, that unbelievers cannot fathom. In our passage today, there are two antidotes. I want to talk about two antidotes, or two remedies, if you will, that God offers us that would give us peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Before getting to them, I want to clarify something very important. Paul's not going to tell us that if we find ways to have victory over our worries, that we will now be forgiving. Forgiven. That all of a sudden he'll forgive us and we'll have peace with God as if it's a, a reward or something that we merited. No, church, that's, that's not what Paul's saying. Right? Like I said earlier, Paul's writing to Christians who, have, who already have peace with God. And this peace comes from God as a gift. We've learned this in our Roman study. Amen? This happens at salvation. When we are converted, when we come to Christ empty-handed, acknowledging that we are wretched sinners with nothing to offer Him, we turn from our sin of living for ourselves, right? And, and turn to God. This is that what Pastor Chris taught us what sin means? Self-interest now. Trusting in, in ourselves. But we turn we turn from that. We trust in Christ alone as our finished work. He did it all on the cross. Amen? And we go from hostility with God right away to peace with God. We learn that's what justified means, right? Declared righteous. Right? There's no more condemnation. There's a Bible verse that it, it, it explains this very well. Aside from uh, our memory verse, uh, there's therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 5, which we will be getting to uh, in our Roman study pretty soon. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious truth, church! So there, there's a difference between peace with God and peace of God. Okay? There's a difference between peace of God and peace with God. A simple way to think about it is, Peace with God is right standing, right? Right standing, justification. We have right standing with God. We have peace with God. And the peace of God is more of a right state in terms of mind. It's a right state of mind. This is the peace that we will be talking about today. This is a more practical peace. It's something that we can experience. This is something you can experience today, church. This is something like that could be defined as being a state of tranquility or quietness of spirit that transcends all circumstances. The more we draw near to Jesus, church, getting to know him through his word, getting to know who he is. And I, I encourage you guys during this time with coronavirus to, to get to look into the attributes of God. Get to know who God is more and more. So important during this time. I heard Paul Washer say, 
uh, a few days ago that I don't even need to know what's going on right now. All I need to know is who God is. And that gives me peace. Amen? So we can get to know Him through His Word. We can experience the, uh, and understand the, the depth, the, the breath of God's glory. Now back to the two antidotes, to anxiety, anxiety and worry. You guys remember what they are? The first one is we will learn about right praying. And then that's my first point of the sermons. God's cure for the poison of anxiety is right praying. And now I'm going to talk about the second one, right thinking. So we'll start off with right praying. I'm going to read the next three verses. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you see that, church? The, the antidote it is the right kind of praying in, we, in which we pray about everything. Paul is basically saying, don't worry about anything, Christians. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Amen? I like to talk about these four words. I don't know if you notice it, that Paul uses four words here in regards to prayer. Makes four uh, different types of uh, words to, to explain prayer. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason, amen? Pastor Chris has told us that over and over again. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Paul doesn't just say in everything by prayer here. He says in everything by prayer, by supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So the first word we'll look at is prayer. Okay, Prayer is a general term for communicating with God or, or talking to God. It, it is the standard word that surrounds all the different elements, if you will, that, that should go into prayer. That's the first word, prayer. The second word, supplication. Has anyone ever heard of that word, supplication? I know you probably might... You probably know the biblical term, what it means. You might not have heard of the word, some of you guys. But uh, basically it means to ask God it, it's for specific needs. Ask God for specific needs. It comes from the, the root to lack. It comes from the word, root to lack. Dr. Stephen Lawson commenting on these words states, We are to bring our concerns about what we are lacking to the Lord. We're to bring our concerns of what we are lacking to the Lord. So this is, this is a humble heart, church, right? This is a heart that's been moved by God, this type of prayer. A biblical example would be when Jesus, right? You might be thinking of it right, you might be thinking of it right now. Like when Jesus uh, asked us to ask God for our daily bread, right? It's a good example, an easy example. This is the Lord's prayer, amen? Give us our daily bread. So that's supplication. The third word is thanksgiving. Church, being thankful and grateful to God, even when, when things are happening that we're not happy with, right? Even right now with the coronavirus pandemic, we need to be thankful. There are so many things to be thankful for. Amen? It should be the heart of our prayers, Thanksgiving, all the time. We should pray with Thanksgiving. As children of God, redeemed sinners who have been reconciled to God, brought into a relationship with the king of the universe, we are to live a life of radical, passionate gratitude, church. As we learned last week, if you have true saving faith, right? True saving faith. Then you have peace with God. 
And you should be so thankful. You have all the blessings that, that comes to us in Christ. So whatever you're going through right now, no matter how desperate you are in your prayers, church, remember that you are praying to a God who has promised that he will never, he'll never let you go, right? He'll never leave you. He also promised that he'll never condemn you from your sins, for your sins. And he promises us a place in heaven for all eternity and in new heavens and new earth when he comes back and gathers us up. And he promises to make us conform to the image of Christ. So many other promises. Romans 8, right? Romans 8 gives us this, uh, I talked about earlier that about the condemnation. There's therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, right? For the law of spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Hopefully you guys are uh, continuing to memorize uh, Romans 8. The fourth word is request, which means that we should let God know the specific needs we have. This is, it's much like, um, it's much like supplication. It is much like supplication, this word, make your request. So Paul says this phrase, make your request known to God. So my question to you guys is, what, what are your specific requests at this time? What, what is weighing you down? Let us know. Let the church know so we can pray for you and, and make those requests. Let those requests be known to God. We should bring our particular request to, to Jesus. Amen? Our mediator, the only mediator between God and man, our high priest who, who knows what it's like to suffer. Amen? So in this context, worry and anxiety, when, when, when you're tempted to, to, to be worried and anxious, let your request be known to God and ask yourself, you know, through prayer, what's causing me to worry? What am I worried about? Specifically, right? We know there's a lot to be worried about right now, but what specifically, right? I know there's a lot of things that tempt, we're tempted to worry about, but specifically, think of them. God wants to hear those specific requests. Whatever the reason is, church, God gives you the permission. God gives you the permission. The, the, the God of the universe, I mean, think about that, church, gives you the permission to ask Him, to request your prayers to Him. So I'll give you one of my testimonies quickly, um, just like a personal testimony that I know a couple of years ago I, I, I had minor health problems, and from my perspective, they were major, right? I was tempted to worry. I fell into the temptation to dwell on everything bad that could happen, Right? We're doing that now probably. Try to think what's the worst thing can happen to our loved ones that have the virus or if right now you're listening and you have it or maybe you're having problems financially or sometimes we're tempted to think the worst, right? And I was tempted to think the worst. And it, it was simple thinking. It wasn't based on truth, right? And then God stepped in. God stepped in and, and you know, he, he reminded me even through James, the book of James, where James says, count it all joy. Right? He's not saying be happy about this, but gather up all the information, the eternal, eternal truths, and count it all joy, my brothers, when you're going through trials. That 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 first that passage really spoke to me, along with Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good for those who love him. And, and now I could spend an hour right now talking about how God has used uh, this coronavirus and my prayers for uh, my loved ones and how I, I felt that that peace from God and taking me out of that fear. Amen? Hopefully you guys have experienced that. If not, keep on going to God. Keep on uh, reaching out to the church. 
We love you guys and love to be there and help you. Um, God commands us to count it all joy, right? So now that's that's basically uh, what I did. I went to God for Thanksgiving. I went to him with supplication and asked, you know, let my prayers uh, be known to him. So what's interesting is I asked God to heal me in the beginning. You know, that was my big thing. But then I also remembered that, especially through Romans 8, that he's more interested than there's, there's something more important going on, right? It's not just healing. As Sister Karen said, when our brother uh, Greg uh, passed away, you know, when we, we were mourning for him and talked about that, the ultimate healing happened, right? Amen? That Greg's with the Lord, that ultimate healing happened. And we were wrestling. Uh, we didn't understand at first, you know, and we still mourn and continue to pray for our sister Kathy, who, who, who's mourning at this time. But we also praise God that there's a, an ultimate healing there. But I remembered also that uh, God is using this to make us more like His Son. Amen? He's not, we don't, we can't think that through these trials that, that we always have to be comfortable. He has something bigger in mind, right? He wants us to become like His Son, like Jesus. So I pray that in spite of what he has in store for me, to give me the strength. That's what I prayed during that time. Give me the strength and faith that, that to believe that Jesus is enough. Amen? Just believe that Jesus is enough at this time. And that eternal life is enough. And uh, he comforted me. And continues to comfort me and make me stronger. And I pray that he's doing that with you guys during this time. So God uses trials, right? Amen? God uses trials for his glory. So church, bring your special request to God with a, with a godly attitude, seeking God for who He is, and, and not just for what He can give you, right? You don't want to do that, but for who He is, for who He is. Remember, the chief end of man, a purpose in life, is for us not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So again, what are your specific needs in your life? What are those specific needs that, right now? Uh, what has been weighing you down? What has caused you to go into depression or anxiety, right? Well, today is the day. I pray today is the day, church, to pursue God in prayer, heartfelt prayer. And you can have, as verse 7 promises, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, church, right? This is a promise. Again, it might not happen here. It could happen here now. But this is a promise, this is a promise that we will have someday. It might be when God brings us home with Him. It might be when He comes back. The answer, the question is not if this is going to happen, right? But the question is when. So this is one of those promises. God promises that He will take us. He doesn't promise us, church, that He'll take us out of the trials, right? That's a, that's a prosperity gospel of heresy. But He promises that in the midst of the worry, the, in, in the midst of the, uh, the anxiety, the discomfort, that He will bless you with a peace that, that's impossible to even explain. Amen? It's impossible to explain. The peace of God is, is not an absence of trials, church. This isn't a promise from God that all things will be, including the anxiety, will go away. No, this is something much greater. Please understand that. This is a peace in the midst of storm. Right in the midst of the storm, this is a supernatural peace. Make no mistake about it, this is supernatural, right? It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It is a peace that cannot be explained to another with clarity. This word peace in original language, it's an, an inner tranquility of the soul. Amen? It's an inner calm that, that settles the troubled heart. 
Bible teacher John MacArthur says this about this peace that comes from God through prayer. This peace refers to the, uh, you know, what we get through Christ. MacArthur says, quote, This peace refers to the divine origin of peace. It, it transcends human intellect, analysis, and insight. Transcends human intellect, church, analysis, and insight. This is so encouraging, amen, to hear. Because there have been times I've tried to explain to an unbeliever that, that w w what this peace feels like, and, and I couldn't articulate it. It was impossible. Sometimes there's just things that we experience as Christians we can't even explain, right? We don't even have the words to explain what God's doing. Amen? So we see here that why, we see here why it's hard to, to, to explain it passes all understanding. I can't help but think of a verse that, 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 uh, that God's ways, right? God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen? Praise God for His glory and His awesomeness, right? Praise God for that and His faithfulness. As if the promise of having a peace that surpasses uh, all understanding isn't enough. We see at the end of the verse, it says that this peace, this peace will guard your hearts. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How awesome is that? Praise God for that. Let me explain this word guard. It is a really get, so you can really understand this, uh, the power here. Uh, the word guard in the original language, through my studies, I noticed that this is a military term. It's describing a soldier that watches over a criminal, right? Think of the Roman guards during the time Paul was writing. It's, it's like this peace of God is always standing, right? It's always standing watch like an armed soldier over your hearts and in your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. God is telling us through this verse that the Christians who pray diligently, fervently, with thanksgiving, that God will guard them against the enemy of worry. This peace is Jesus Christ. This peace is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. So now to our next antidote, right? Our next antidote of worrying and being anxious. To being in bondage to, uh, to worry. We just learned that God uses right praying. Amen? We were not really learned, but hopefully we were reminded of that. That he uses right praying to cure us from the poison of anxiety and bring us in a state of peace. Now, we'll be encouraged to find out that God gives another antidote. Okay? There's another antidote that's, that, that, that God gives us through this text. And I think this is very important. Something that sometimes we, we forget about. You know, I think the devil, the enemy uses uh, a lot of false teaching. And sometimes about thinking. And then we go the other way. And we've we got to find that balance. Make no mistake about it, right thinking is very important in the Christian life. So the first point of sermon was God's cure for the poison anxiety is right praying. Now our second point is God's cure for the poison of anxiety is right thinking. So this next verse is one of the verses in scripture that explains the importance of biblical meditation. That's right, biblical meditation. Or should I say true meditation. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we think meditation, that's a, that's a devil's world. That's, that's what the world, they meditate. No, we know that there are counterfeit practices, right? Meditation practices out there, which is usually associated with Eastern religions like Hinduism or Buddhism. Amen? This is very different, though, than, than what we're called to. It's different than what we're called to through Scripture. 
for instance, meditation for them is to empty your mind, right? You just empty your mind or look within yourself. They believe that when you empty your mind, you'll be able to find this, uh, find and, and, and practice, meditate on this, find that truth, that truth that's within yourself, right? The Bible tells us something different. The Bible tells us not to look within, right? It tells us not to look within, but look to who? To God, amen. To look to God, to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, church. Biblical meditation dwells on what God has already revealed to us through His Word, while other forms of meditations, they're more about seeking new truths, right? So let's go to the text and see what God says here. This is such a powerful... I, I know we're going through a lot, you know, it's hard to, to memorize uh, Romans. You have a tough... A lot of us are having a tougher time with that. But if you do have the time and, and you're, you're real successful with the Romans, you're all caught up, I would definitely, if you haven't already, to I would encourage you to, to memorize this. I mean, this is especially now we're going through this. This can really encourage you and strengthen you. Paul says, God says through Paul in verse 8, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think, or church, dwell, right? Meditate on these things, right? Here's an antidote for anxiety or worry. Meditate, dwell, contemplate, contemplate on the Word of God, church. This is not merely, this isn't positive thinking, church. This makes so much sense, though, that God would, of course He would tell us to do this, right? Of course that right thinking will give us peace and bring us closer to God, amen? What have we learned in Romans? What have we memorized? For, for, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit, right? For to set their mind on the flesh, right? Is that what the Scriptures talk about? To set their minds on the flesh is death, but to set, their, set our minds on the Spirit, it's life. It's peace, amen? And Romans 12 says the same thing. When Paul, in, in that section on sanctification, you know, he's talking about how we can take these doctrines and grow, live it out practically. He says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, amen, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The psalmist tells us, blessed is the one who what? Delights in the Lord, who meditates on the law day and night, church. For Christians to grow in the likeness of Christ, we have to have a renewed mind. God has blessed this church with His Word. We have the Word of God as a primary means to purify our minds. Right? He uses other things too. He uses the church, many means of grace, Lord's Supper, baptism, uh, ministry, but we got to get everything through the Word, right? That's our final authority. Sola Scriptura. As the Reformers proclaim, God has blessed us with the, His Word. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. I think our Lord Jesus would agree with this, right? What did, what did Jesus say, right? Sanctify them by truth. Your Word is truth. Amen? Father's Word is truth. God's Word is truth. Apostle Paul instructs the church of Philippi and us today, church, to think about what's true, amen? Not what's false. Think about what's honorable, amen? Not that what's dishonorable, 
to think about what's just, not what's unjust, right, etc. Basically, Paul is saying, stop letting negative, ugly, uh, filthy, false, discouraging, worldly things to take up space in your head. This is why Amy and I, we made a decision a few weeks back not to watch the news constantly, right? Read the papers constantly, Google every little word we hear about the coronavirus, right? I'm not saying bury your head in the sand, but we don't want to dwell on all that. We want to dwell on whatever's good and holy and lovely and pure. We want to pray. We want to go to God. We don't want to get caught up in all that all day long. Amen? We want to dwell on things that God loves, things that will make us more and more like His Son during this time. Do you know what's so awesome about this church, about this verse, this passage here, especially on dwelling on whatever's good and holy? I was meditating on these eight godly objects, right, in the text that that we are called to meditate, meditate on. And I realized that, you know, they're holy, lovely, good. I, I realized that not one person fits in perfect. I don't know anybody who, who, who has all these uh, characteristics in them, right? Have fun trying to find someone who manifests honor and purity and truth. Amen? Perfectly. And then I realized, amen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is one. There is one! Amen? Our Lord Jesus Christ! Jesus of Nazareth, fully God and fully man, the image of the invisible God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, church. Right? He lived the perfect life through word and deed. Is that what the Bible says? Through word and deed. He was the fullness of all these godly virtues. Amen? Jesus Christ, King Jesus, is true. King Jesus is honorable. Amen? Wow. King Jesus is uh, he's pure. Amen? King Jesus is lovely. King Jesus is commendable. That's right. Let God be true, church. And every man or what? A liar. Amen. So in closing, I actually stuck to my promise uh, <laughs> to not make this a, a very long sermon. In closing, church, we have an enemy. Make no mistake about it. We have an enemy. Amen? Who's the enemy? What does the Bible say about our enemy? It's the world, Satan, and our flesh, right? Haters of God. They are after our soul. All these things, right? Jesus talked about it. All these things. In the gospel, the world, Satan, our flesh. We have an enemy. Demons. And they're after our soul. You know what, church? They're after our peace, right? They're after our peace. Sin is after our peace. Sin is after our joy, right? After our, our, our joyful relationships with God and with one another. Anxiety and, and worry, church, fear, depression, all of them, they're all weapons. These are weapons of our enemy. These are weapons that Satan uses. Make no mistake about it, right? But we have learned today. We have learned today, church, not by... My words, not by something that I've conjured up, or but we have learned from God's word. Amen. We have learned from God. We have learned from King Jesus that God's cure, that his cure for the poison of anxiety, the poison of worrying, depression, is what? Right praying. Amen. 
And we have also learned that God's poison for the, for a cure for for the poison of anxiety is right thinking, right praying, and right thinking, godly praying and godly thinking. Right? Let's pray for the glory of God. Let's think for the glory of God. Amen. So, in the midst of of our worry and anxiety during this time with the Corona pandemic, lean on Christ. Lean on Christ in His Spirit in you, right? And meditate on, on godly things so we can have, so you can have, so the church can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let me pray quick as we go. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your spirit, your word, your son, God. God, I pray, Lord, that today we can, by the power of your spirit, we can fix our eyes on your son, that we can come to you with godly, right praying. We can come to you and uh, walk through the day with godly and right thinking. God, we need you for this. Oh, do we need you for this? We can't do it. We, we, we might have thought, some of us, that we were so strong. When, but when this, this comes upon us, this challenge and all of our, the things we're going under difficult, difficult times, Lord, we, we really have been humbled by this. And, uh, but we praise you that we know when we're weak that you are strong. So help us. Help us pray right. Help us think right. And help us do this, Lord, not alone, but as a body of Christ. We love you. We praise you. We pray that you will continue to be with our loved ones and everybody that uh, in this world bring the unbelievers out of the world into your kingdom and continue to do the work of those at NBC. For we trust God. We trust that you're still good. As Karen said in the email, you're still sovereign, as our sister told us, and you are still good. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Hope you have a blessed day. I love you. I'll be praying for you. To God be the glory. Amen.